Uh, this is a special remastered. This is like a one-off thing. It's, it's, a, it's a fun little one that we're just going to throw in there. I'm Jason. I've got Rich Smith and Allison Downing here with us. I don't think I've ever said Rich Smith. That sounds weird. It doesn't work. I've, no, I've doesn't. always said, if you're just going to use my first name, please feel free to call me Rich. If you're going to use both, you should say Richard Smith. You need the heavy weight of the second syllable to you balance the, the name you do. properly. You need the ut. Yeah. But uh, we're going to talk a little bit about your trip to Merca. Yeah, we've been. You've been to Merca. How was it? It, do you know, it was awesome. And I knew that the San Francisco part of it and, and the California part of it would be awesome because we've been there before. But then we went to another bit. We went to Las Vegas, which I'm aware is not really Merca. It's fucking weird, right? It's just there and it's bizarre. It's like an upside down dreamscape it's part of a- it. It's not really like anywhere, is it? Have you been, Jason? I haven't been, but I've seen enough travel documentaries and that sort of thing that it might as well be Paris. It might as well be Timbuktu. It might as well be, I don't know, the middle of the African safari. It's its that alien and weird. It's, it's fucking crazy. And I was there for three days and I didn't stop saying that for three days. Like, look at that. That's mad. What the fuck is that? Look at that. And, but look what the yeah. mob accomplished. Oh, it's incredible. It really is. You, we should just put them in charge of everything. Can you imagine if all of America had been handled by the mob properly? It would be so well run. Yeah, if there, especially if there was doubt. less death involved, maybe. <laughs> but, you know, they, they did do an amazing thing to spot an opportunity in a, in a desert where there was nothing, basically, and, and have a vision that people would come there and spend a fortune. And, and the kind of money is, is just staggering, really. We, I, I, that's what you can't comprehend when, when you're looking at, at everything in Vegas is just how much did that cost? And there, there aren't really enough numbers. You get to visit a few different places and meet quite a few different really neat people. Uh, there's one in particular that I want to quiz you about here in a minute. Sure. Yeah, I love that guy. But yeah. first, so just some general information. How long were you in Merca? We were in but, Vegas for three nights, so two and a half yeah. days. And then we went down to California and we were there for six days. You were in San Francisco first or only? Um, well, we stay over in the Alameda, which is just over the bay. And it, it's only half an hour away on, on the bus. Um, but it's really near to where our friends live. So that's why we choose to stay on Alameda, which has its shortcomings. Which we'll get to when we're, <laughs> when we're talking about that. But yeah, we, we spend like most of our days in, in the city when we can, really. Because it, it's dead easy. You just get on a bus and you're there. Yeah. And you flew, of course. We did. <laughs> How long of a trip was that? It was 11 hours. Now, on your way there, you lost or gained time? Gained. <sighs> yeah. So, okay, so when gained. we. It hurts. By my math, you would have arrived, let's see, an hour after you left, if you're just looking at your watch, right? Yeah. Yeah. Two hours. Two hours. Yeah. Okay. So you flew basically, let's see, 6,000 miles uh-huh. in that short of a time. Yeah. When you left, was it day or night? It was morning. We, it, was it was like 10.30, something like that, the flight? I think so. Okay. Yeah. So by mid-afternoon on your first day in Vegas, you were gutted. Yeah, but it was worse than that because the night before we flew, I had about two hours sleep. So I was already running on two hours sleep in 
two days. And, and then that, as soon as you got there, you got ill. Yeah, I got the worst jet lag I've ever had in my life. And I'm pretty sure it was because I was already in sleep deficit before I got on that goddamn plane and screwed my body up entirely. When no, we... I did I did keep up with you on Facebook a little bit. Uh-huh. Not I, I wasn't stalking you or anything, I promise. Well, it, you know, I, I, I like to think it was because my journal is interesting. And, <laughs> and is that not what Facebook is there for? Exactly. It is. If you don't want it people is. to read it, don't put it on Facebook, exactly. is, is the thing. But I wasn't entirely sure whether it was just Allison sick or Rich. Were you were you well as well? I, no, I was fine. He, he it was wasn't, fine. It wasn't an illness. It was exhaustion. It, it was exhaustion so, and jet lag. Just it overcame me. When when we got to the hotel, I tried tried to just get an hour or two sleep before we went out for dinner, and we got a really nice reservation at Bouchon for seven thirty, which was a mistake because. We, I didn't get any sleep, and when when you're in Vegas, you know you look out of your hotel how, how room. How do you sleep? Do you, do you know this is the the story about the Apollo Eleven moon landings that on the everything followed a very tight schedule and mm. was timetabled in ahead right. of time. And you sleep at this time, and uh, that yeah, exactly like that. Mm. And now it was on the timetable that when they landed on the moon, they would then get some sleep. Ridiculous, no. And, and they landed and were like, you know, not going to do that. Uh, probably just going to get out and walk on the moon now. We're yeah. gonna, we'll jump ahead to that bit. <laughs> well, we did that. We walked on the moon, yeah. didn't we, really? And so Vegas is a bit like that. You don't you get can... in your hotel and think, well, I'll have a bit of a nap now. No, because Vegas is outside. Though. You know, you look outside your bedroom window and, and you can see on, on the map in front of you that the Venetian where you're going for dinner is just behind Paris. And you look out your window and you can see the Eiffel Tower and you think, yeah, that's just there. We'll 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 get there in probably about an hour. It's not there. It's not just there. Miles and miles and miles away. It's not just there at all. It's crazy visibility in the middle of the desert where you don't have any humidity, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and especially in wintertime as well, there was no glare. There was no uh, heat airs or anything like that. It was just clear. And and we set off walking and... And the first thing we got to do is get on a walkway because you can't just cross a street in Vegas. Don't be ridiculous. You've got to go over it. And you're going to use an escalator to get up there. And it's crazy. Really, it's just mad. And that's the first thing. It's like, we can't just cross the road here, okay? And then you have to get on the pavement that belongs to MGM, except they're having work done, which means that they've, they've used up the pavement, a.k.a. sidewalk, uh, and you can't get around there. You've got to go through the casino to get back onto the strip, which took us about half an hour, to be fair. Okay, through all this description, I need more adjectives. You've got to describe what it's like to me. It, oh, it's like every sense that you've got has just been plugged in and turned up to 11, especially the visuals, because everything is light. Especially by by this time, it was it was maybe five five thirty, and it was it was dark, and it was quite spectacular. It was like every light imaginable had been turned on. We're talking about street lights, marquees, billboards, what all kind Massive. of stuff is, is any, glowing. Any surface that can have a bulb attached to it or shone on it has got that. We're talking giant. I mean, like sixty seventy meter tall promos for. Weird magicians performing at this hotel and that hotel. You've got this horrific edifice, which is 
Excalibur. And that's right opposite our hotel. And it's supposed to be like merry old England, which is yeah, just not. fucking hilarious. And it's this big white building and every every little peak of, of turret has got a, a red or a blue flare coming off the top of this fucking See, castle. See, now, I, I have this as a recommendation to people going to Vegas. Depending on where you're from, there are certain casinos that you shouldn't go in because yeah. it will expose how crap the rest of it is. So, for example, if you're flying from the UK, don't go into Excalibur. I would if, recommend if, that no one goes if, in Excalibur, actually. I'd go further and say, that, 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 just don't go enough. in there. If, you, if you're English, don't go in Excalibur. If, if you've been to Paris, don't go in Paris. If you're from New York, don't go don't. to New York, New York, because you realise just how much those places are not like where you come from. It's bizarre. And so then that <laughs> will kind of ruin the illusion of all the other places that you go in. Because, of course, in Excalibur, we're all merry maids, uh, us ladies, and, and you men, you're all fighting tournaments. And I, I maintain that Will Tristan would go down some, well working it, at Excalibur. Exactly. Will could get work at Excalibur. He really could. But I just got sick of being asked whether we were in town that night, where we were from, and did I like handbags. I mean, just leave me alone. We've only walked like five metres, and somebody else has said, are you staying here tonight? Where are you from? I mean, God, just leave me alone. And that was the only place we had it like that. Everywhere else, you know, I had... Uh, I got it on a, had a some couple of, of in class. the Castro, but, you know. Well, yeah, you did. They liked your jacket, didn't they? That's what they said. But, yeah. <laughs> well, you were wearing, from what I understand, quite the flashy jacket. That Spider-Man jacket went down well. I was a little bit worried about wearing it out and about because I hadn't really done that yet. <laughs> but in the, the night we stayed in the airport hotel, the waiter in the restaurant asked me where I got it from. And then as we were getting off the plane, a baggage claim, there was a little boy who seemed to have decided that I was Spider-Man. Yeah. He was about so, three. I was pulling I was on, on his mum's sleeve like, Mom, it's which was awesome. Now, here's where my first health concern comes up, because just flipping through your Facebook photos here, you've got some great galleries. Every single picture, Rich, you're wearing the Spider-Man jacket. I, did I, you take it off at all? It, 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 yeah, you of did. course I did, because I, I, I bought an Apple jacket after that. And, you know, if anything can. Surpass Spider Man. Because <laughs> the one thing I was wondering is whether the jacket was starting to stink. No, no or maybe it's fine. maybe crunch up because it, it, it had been worn too long, you know, like stiff as a board kind of thing. It, it's fine. I, I could I confirm it had been washed the day before we went on holiday. <laughs> and, um, and of course, there were times when he didn't wear it and couldn't wear it, uh, namely at nice places to eat. I, I think we should cover, I, I know we're, we're talking about the casinos, but. I think we should sort of cover by like day one or two things we'd learned about being in America. You've pronounced it wrong. It's Merca. In Merca. Yeah. No, I, I I class Las Vegas as being in America. I class it as being on the it's, fucking it's a very moon. It's mental kind of place. It's fucked. It's like oh wow. So lessons learned so far. Number one: do not cry as you land at the airport and go through immigration. No, don't. That that is a big sort of. I think that's the, like the biggest red flag uh, to to the TSA you know. uh, that says we, we're going to fuck with this one. And they, you know they were so nice about it though, and that's what took me off guard. Uh, basically, as as I've explained, I was 
without sleep and almost at a mental end of tether. And um, and a couple of things irritated me on the flight and uh, I got a little bit upset. And by the time I'd got off the plane, I had clearly been crying and, um, and I uh, got singled out. We got separated somehow in the long lines because you have to it, go. It to... was simply because I went through before you yeah. did. And once you're done, you have to. You're going through a different it. channel. Yeah. So I, I took ages and the man was taking his time with me, the first guy. And he was very, very lovely with me. And then he asked somebody else to come and escort me down to, to baggage reclaim. But he didn't mean that. He meant take you down to talk to my colleagues at CBP, Customs and Border Patrol. Because they wanted to chat with me about uh, what I was there for, uh, why I was only in the country for three days uh, last time I went, and other kind of horrible questions like, how have you afforded to come here? And other things like that, which just pushed even more buttons. And um, and by the time they let me go, which was about 15 minutes later, um, they, they were shaking their heads like, what the fuck are we doing with this woman? And let me go. But it was horrible. And every time I come there, it's horrible. It's a lot of security theater. They want to look like they're doing something important. But uh, in my opinion, I, I just don't think that they're accomplishing very much. To be honest, they were no worse than anything at Heathrow. Because we, we flew back into Heathrow. And, yeah, but you're not the one who's been pulled yeah. by CBP. I'm I'm just saying that in general, the experience in the U.S. airports in general security was no more stringent or any worse than it was here. Um, it it was just another time that they decided to fuck with you. Well, while they had me, they uh they went through my case. I got a nice little love letter from the TSA when I unpacked. Oh yeah, because you have the special sort of it's a padlock to everyone, but the TSA. You got to have TSA approved locks now that they can break into. So. They they'd left me a, a note saying what they've done and that they hope they'd left it in the but, condition that they found it in that kind of thing. You know, it was it was security at Heathrow that made you take the iPad out of the iPad case. Yeah, they were the most. You know, yeah, they were. The they, TSA they were. were not bad at all. That was it was the best security experience I've had in the US. It's just getting in, and the guys at uh, at McCarran McCarran. Yeah, they were really good. They were having a laugh doing their job. They were. They know that people are just going home and they're either skint or they've had a really good time and they've just got a smile on their face. And that going through a, an airport like McCarran was a completely different experience, especially probably going on an internal flight. I just can't believe I went through security with the biggest bottle of suntan lotion <laughs> in the world in my Ooh. backpack. Not, no more than 100 milliliters. I've got a litre to <laughs> this thing. The look on his guys on that like, guy's face. He, he was more confused. Like, like why have what you? What are you doing? What, oh, seriously, I forgot about dear. that. Sorry, Gay. Yeah, put it in the bin. Do you want it? He's like, no, I don't want it. I'm <laughs> going to take it though. Okay. <laughs> so the pl- the flights were good. Even the internal, the, well, the internal flight was not painful, but you know, it was an hour. Yeah. Southwest Airlines. Oh. Hey. Mike's asked in the chat room, where do we stay? We stayed at the Tropicana. And the reason why we stayed at the Tropicana was because of price and because of the reviews, basically. They were coming up good. Like, it had a big refurb and 
a lot of money being spent there and yeah, people who might turn their noses up at it in the past were saying it was really good. And uh, I did a dumb thing because I just did, I just booked the flights and I've been looking at the prices for Vegas and, you know, you can get ridiculous prices for hotels. I mean, they they nearly pay you to go there. Like the Tropicana usually comes up about £29 a night, which is... Wow. What, it's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. That's you know, like a Motel like 6. $50. It's ridiculous. They want you there. So um, I, I just booked, uh, assuming that that would always be the case, and uh, I unfortunately booked at the same time as CES. And they take up 155,000 bed spaces in the city. So basically, rooms are at a premium. And we ended up paying three times as much just because CES was on at the same time. It's still not terrible. No, it's not. It's really not. And, and I, it was a really great room. And I still thought it was the nicest hotel to stay at. You know, I, I suppose there are rooms at the wind that would probably make just make you cry. Well, I just did. You feel? Do you, know, do you know what? No, I wouldn't even want. To, I'd rather stay at the Tropicana than be a billionaire at the Wynn. I think it was nice because we could walk straight in the door and turn right and get to elevators to the room, rather than having to exactly. walk all the way through a casino floor. It's a question of size and convenience. And the Wynn might be beautiful, and it might have some rooms that are just nicer than any room I will ever go in in my life, let alone stay in. But. It's enormous. It's like living in Meadow Hall. <laughs> and, and, and it's so, really posh. You know you that know, there's a lot of money in the place. Just a bit. And I, feel, I felt like a bit of an imposter in the wind. I felt like I could get away with it in the Tropicana because it smelled of coconut and it was kind of orange and really muted. It was cold. the cocktail waitresses that looked like dinner ladies. It looked like dinner ladies. That's exactly what it that was. That was reassuring. You know, we wanted our cocktail waitresses maybe to be in their 50s or 60s and still be hustling that floor for 30 years down the line and, and knowing Vegas so, so well, but just being really down to earth. And that's what we got at the Tropicana. It was wonderful. We're recounting holiday stories now. That's yeah, not why that, we're here. That's why we stayed but, there. And that's why I'd stay there again, having been in most of the strip hotels. I, I but you get gone. And you get to the Tropicana. You collapse. You sleep for what an entire day? No, no, no sleep. No sleep. But Allison's exhausted. Yeah, I probably went to sleep at about one that night and woke up for about nine. I had a, a long sleep. And okay, so um, you're up in the morning. You're feeling better. Eat. What's the first thing that you do? Eat. And where do you go? We yeah. ate in the Tropicana's yeah, restaurant. They've got that a first beach morning. cafe down there. So it was, it was, I got the, the pancakes. Can I ask, this whole, like, three pancakes in a pile thing for breakfast, do you ever eat all three pancakes? Does anybody eat all three? Does anybody have a clear pancake? Oh, I don't know. The, the pancakes are there to fill you up so that you're not eating the bacon. The bacon's the expensive part. Pancakes are easy to make. You know, it's, it's pennies. I suppose, but it, I, I never managed more than, like, a third you. of all the food I was given. Well, how are they? How are they giving you the pancakes? Are they giant pancakes, or what? What size are we talking about? It's a dinner so. plate. I reckon they were yeah, probably they're, they're, about nine or ten inches across, and three of them piled up quite half thick. an inch deep. Ten inches seems big. No, they were massive, Richard. <laughs> that's, they were massive. That, that's pizza size, Alison. They were that big. They, they were that big. They were, and you had them mixed with 
um, they were chocolate chips and and a massive pile of berries and cream with it as well. I mean, yeah. fuck's and sake. syrup. Well, and, so your standard pancake when you make them at home or when you go to the VFW for the, you know, all-you-can-eat pancake breakfast, we're talking five or six inches wide for the entire pancake. Diameter, yeah. not radius. Yeah. So that's what you're talking about. Yeah. But Vegas, from what I gather, is famous for just oversizing everything. Oh, it's ridiculous. They, they it's the McDonald's. Big, though. Like, I, I had Eggs Benedict. And in this country, I think you might struggle to get Eggs Benedict. You might get Egg Benedict. You might get probably one half of a muffin with um, some bacon and a, a poached egg and hollandaise sauce. And that'd be it. Just one. But in Vegas, you get two. And it's not bacon, it's big, thick ham shit. It's weird. And then you get a massive pile of potatoes as well. Because you need potatoes at breakfast, clearly. See, breakfast food is awesome because it's cheap and it's plentiful. And if you go to like a Bob Evans or a big chain, a breakfast chain, they're just going to pile it on the plate. And, and, you know, you can go out for breakfast for like $4, $5. Not in Vegas, you can't. No? No. Uh, at all. No. But it still wasn't too expensive. It was like $50, maybe $40 for breakfast. Oh, wow. I thought all the food in Vegas was super, super cheap. No, no, it's not. Um, oh. I guess huh. that there's still some fast food outlets, but not too many. Um, there's some really great buffets and really bad buffets. And doing that isn't necessarily very cheap. So I think you can find like a couple of places around town that you might be able to eat for less than $10, but not many. Huh. And they're often so uh, cost to get there. I thought a lot of the buffets and the restaurants were structured just like you were describing the hotels. They want you there. They want you spending money. They want to funnel you into the casinos where the money gets dropped. So they give you cheap accommodations for everything, food, hotel, transportation. You get, you get what, yeah, you get more than your money's worth if you play it right. Ah. So the, the buffet, we had to do it. It's a, it's a big thing. And after reading about this buffet pass that you could have for 24 hours, it kind of figured like it was a pretty good deal. And, um, but I wanted to, go to a premium buffet in that. I wanted to go to the Bacchanal, which is at Caesar's Palace. And that's only been open uh, since September. And th- they really wanted to throw down when they opened it up. It's, it's huge. It's over 700 seats. And they, they have like a, about 500 dishes on at any one time with nine kitchens. It's, it's incredible. And you pay your money. And it's a premium on that one. So... We we paid like maybe $160 at this point for two of us to eat buffets for 24 hours. Now, even if you're eating as much as you can and you're giving up as much time as you're willing to do these buffets, you can't do more than three in 24 hours. You just can't. And if you did, then you've wasted your time in Vegas, quite frankly, and you eat too much. Well, as Emma says in the chat room, challenge accepted. It's ridiculous, Emma. It is ridiculous, and, and it doesn't help when you get really unhelpful staff, which were at the, the Rio, who told me that the, the Bacchanal thing wasn't in the deal anymore after I'd parted with my money. And it turns out she was very wrong, um, and, and we got held up in a queue, and you need to be aware of that. You need to be aware that you might be spending three hours getting this buffet, 
and most Ugh. of that will be waiting in line. Unless you pay $15 to queue jump, which is fucking worth it. Yeah, that was awesome. Because you get an hour and a half extra food time, and you should be spending that on premium things like prime rib, like uh, king crab, like lobster, and all of the stuff that you just can't afford to eat, basically. Just gorge on that, fuck the salads, and then eat as many dessert lollipops as you possibly can until you feel sick. And try and leave before you are sick, though, because the toilets did rake in there. I'm curious, when you go out to eat, what's the maximum amount of time that you're willing to stand there in line waiting to get a seat? That's a tricky one. Oh, about half an hour. Depends on, depends on what, whether I know what I'm getting at the end of it. And, and when you if it's a mystery, the then no. Are. And it depends when you circle the lead tickets are. That's why we queue jumped. We, we clearly analyzed how many people were in front of us. It wasn't moving at the rate that we were going to get fed before we got there. It wasn't going to turn out to be value for money. So I threw an extra $30 down, and it was worth it. Now, when you're going between these places, between the hotel and your entertainment and your restaurants, are you staying indoors or manage, managing to stay enclosed somehow, or are you walking out in the open air? No, that's out in the open air. Yeah. What kind of temperatures are we looking at in Vegas? Oh, it was it was fine because it was with it being early January, it was sort of between sort of seven and fifteen at the most. Well, we got a couple of days that were eighteen. It was all so right. It was, but that that Celsius, I don't know what it is in old money. I'm afraid. Yeah, so it, it was it was About, nice. Yeah, maybe sixty degrees. Sixty, yeah. Light jacket yeah. weather. It was nice and always okay. bright and sunny and clear. cold at night. But what, it was seriously, we cannot complain. It was really nice. We got home to snow, so it was really good. Okay, so tell me about all the indulgent stuff you did. Did you gamble? Yeah. Not much, but no, we the, did. The, the best bit was that night at the Rio. We came out of Penn and Teller, and we thought we'd have a drink at the bar. You can't just say we came out of uh, Penn and Teller. Oh, yeah. Well, You've we got to say. <laughs> we went we, to we see saw Penn, the Penn and Teller. Show. There you go. How was it? That was just it was so awesome. You so can't imagine. awesome. I'd bought the tickets before we went out there. And, um, and I paid for you know, quite good tickets. They were probably about 15 seats back. And uh, when we got there, we were, we were rushing because this woman had fucked us over in the buffet. It's made Alison so angry. Oh, I was angry she, with the, her. That bit of the story will <laughs> be told forever. I was angry with her. She lied. She was misinformed. And she passed it on. Anyway. So when we got there, there was this really, really lovely usher who greeted us with a beautiful smile and, and a wonderful murk and welcome. And he said, uh, is it just you guys? I said, yeah. And he said, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to upgrade you if you want to come with me. Nice. And uh, we walked through the curtains. He got out his little torch and he led us down to row three. And I was very excited. That's a great feeling, isn't it? I was just like, yeah, we swanned in. Lisa right and I the went very to see Aaron minute. Smith this summer, and uh, we were all the way in the back until uh, until Cheap Trick was done playing. Yeah. And then the usher comes up and says, all right, I've got a bunch of tickets to move you up to the side row. It was uh, three rows up on, this, on the uh, first balcony. Lovely. Which, I mean, you could just about reach out and spit and hit Steven Tyler. Nice. So That's we jumped too up tempting. and got those tickets. Oh come on! <laughs> come on! No, I'm. But yeah, it's a great feeling. So, so you see Penn and Teller. 
when you go to see Penn and Teller, you're not there for magic. Magic is incidental, at least in my opinion. You go to see the celebrity of it, the spectacle of it. These guys have a great reputation. Did you pay attention to the magic show, or was it all about the celebrity? Yeah. Oh, it was, no, it was, it was very about, about the magic. magic. And, and seeing them. And there's, there's still parts where we're unpicking and disagreeing about what we saw and what it could have been. I mean, I, I, we shouldn't go into detail no, about what the show involved, because <laughs> people shouldn't. might want to see it. It's amazing. Go, but, have your mind blown. You know, in, in terms of things we've all seen, if you've, if you've seen Penn and Teller do magic more than once, the chances are you've seen them do the trick with the catching the bullet in the mouth. And have, you, have you seen that one, Jason? I have. The bullet's in his mouth the whole time. Shh. It's, it's to see them do that in front of you. You still, you still don't see it. Incredible. You still don't see it because you're looking for it. But you don't see it at all. You, you can't the, see what they're know, doing. You're looking num- for it. Trick it's... number one. He fooled us all. So you're analyzers. Oh yeah, but I mean, there's there's one that I I just picked apart and figured out straight away how it was, but uh, yeah, there's still contention about that one. And and even the ones that it's a little bit obvious what's going on, uh, and there are very few of them. Still, the spectacle of it happening is always amazing. It's it's always amazing. It was just and daft little old school magic that really blew me away. Yeah, with Teller doing his sleight of hand with with coins and, and pulling them off this woman and tapping them out of her glasses and, and then making loads of goldfish appear out of nowhere. That, that now, stuff still absolutely bowls me over because I didn't see him do it. Now, did they come out right away and say, did they do their famous speech about, hey, we're going to trick you? Yeah. Here's how we're going to trick you? Yeah. Yeah, that's why their magic can't be spoiled, which I think makes it even better. They tell you right up front that they are pulling a sham on you. Mm. You know it. You know you're being scammed. You just don't know how sometimes. And of course, the the bits when they they, I mean, they're, they're famous sewing a lady in half trick that again most people will have seen. Where they're explaining to you how it's traditionally done with the whole like you know when they open it up and say normally magicians won't let you see this bit for very long and they just stand there and let you look at it. And the trick is they're going to fool you again in an even more spectacular way. So it, it's, it's just a wonderful experience from beginning to end. I'm going have to, you ever listened to his podcast? I might have I've, done it I've one I've listened point. to one so far since we got home, but yeah, they're in my list now. The most recent episode of Penn's Sunday School features Teller talking on the podcast. And he's talking about how he's uh, incorporating all these magic tricks and explaining how a lot of them are done into a production of Macbeth. Cool. So when the the witches are in front of their cauldron, or when Macbeth is in front of his mirror, he's uh, talking about how he actually made the special effects. It's very neat. Yeah, yeah. It just it really did blow me away. I loved it every second of it. So even when on, even when you can see it, you're still like you're doing this well. And then afterwards, you get to meet them. Yeah. There you go. Because you can't just skip and say, then we left Penn and Teller. You've got to talk. You met Penn. Yeah, yeah. They, they come out every night into the lobby so that everyone can meet them. And um, Teller just had to see around him. I think it's because people want to see his mouth move and, and hear sounds come out of it. Because you kind of do, but you don't. Isn't that odd how that's almost a trick in itself? Yeah. Yeah. Because you, you, you do hear his voice through the show. You just don't put it in his mouth. And I have heard <laughs> him, I have seen him speak. 
I mean, on that, there's a documentary on Netflix that they did. Mm. Uh, and you seem to speak on that. I would actually advise don't watch it at all. It's a perfectly good documentary Keep and entertaining. Magic. But I, I would rather never have heard Teller speak. I've only heard him do a, a character voice, so I'm okay. Yeah. So I'm looking at these photos right now on Facebook. I see you standing next to Penn. He's dwarfing you. Yeah, this is the thing. I always thought that Teller was a little guy. He's not a little guy. He's normal. He's normal height. Average man. It's Teller is enormous. He's six foot seven, which is actually smaller than my brother, so I could deal with it. But he's got mass. It's not just the height. He's he's a big bulky fellow, yeah. But then again, so is my brother. So yeah, I'm I'm used to that kind of form in human being. He looks quite solid. He, I'm seeing he's got you under his armpit. Yeah, I'm crushed. Had it, I could not have pushed that man over, put no, it that way. No, I don't think that, that would could. I could Actually, have, running at full tilt. Yeah. yeah. If I was did tasked, you get to talk with him? Um, barely 30 seconds. A couple of minutes. I, yeah, a couple of minutes. We explained who we were and thanked him for being it, on it the Masters of None. It was well, such a short Maybe of time. one minute. I, I, I got out barely a breath's worth of words. He drew on me. We got two pictures. <laughs> that was it, really. Because, you know, he's been affable and charming, but he's got a job to do and there's 200 people sure. behind you. Sure. So, you, you know, time is precious. And we got the photograph. It was nice. Yeah. What did he draw on you? He just had a, a Sharpie on him to, to sign things. And so he just had it in his hand as he had his arm over my shoulder. And, and I put my hand up and, and he drew on my hand. Oh, okay. Did you get an autograph? No, we didn't. I, oh. I figure, you know what? A photograph is today's autograph. Really. Oh, that's true. So that's, that's true. fine. I was I was happy. And and you know what? Everybody was getting really shit shots because we were all shaking. Yeah, and no one know, could take anybody else's photo. I, I'd taken this German guy's and I had to take like loads so that he could get a good shot. And we had the same thing when we switched places. He was shaking. Everybody's shaking. Everybody's got blurred photographs of Penn and Teller, which is a shame. <laughs> so the the big thing about Vegas, what hit home to me, what the town was about, happened after we came out of there. Because it must have been sort of half past, half ten, eleven o'clock, something like that. It was, you know, this is our first real night in Vegas. We're not going to bed. I'm not poorly tonight. I'm doing okay. So we thought we'd have a drink at the bar. So we had a drink at the bar. And this is where things got surreal in a very... (sighs) You're not in Kansas anymore. It was kind of like... If a child's ultimate fantasy, and I know it's not, but hypothetically speaking, if a child's ultimate fantasy is to be locked in a candy store overnight, then Las Vegas is kind of the dirty grown-up version of that. And it's real. Yeah. And so you sit at this bar, and you've come to this bar for nothing but a drink. That's it. That's all I want to do is drink. And so you sit at the bar, and you, you, you get a barman comes over and he brings you your drink. <coughs> Excuse me. And what that's where it starts to become unusual for us because you sit at the bar. You, you don't do that here. You go to the bar and get your drink and then you'll go and sit at a table somewhere. Yeah, they don't want to encourage you so, to sit at the bar no. unless it's a proper old man's drinking pub yeah. and there's two stools and they belong to Frank and Bob and fuck you if you sit in his stool. That kind of thing. 
I think that you'll find that the the models coexist across America. They're equally tried. It's just it depends on where you go. Well, in Vegas, the, the, the you just sit at the, at the bar. bar. There's nowhere else to sit unless you're at a machine, and there's a machine in front of you at the bar. Well, that was the they next bit. They want you to gamble. So there, there's there. a computer embedded in the bar in front of every stall at the bar. So there's one in front of me. There's one in front of Alison sat next to me, and a little slot that I can just feed dollars into. Or, or two dollars, or five dollars, or oh, ten, or twenty, or hundred dollars, or whatever. As long as I sit there, I can sit feeding dollars into this machine. And there's a couple sat at the other end of the bar who've clearly that's their job is feeding money into these machines. So that that was a little eye opener. They were they were good looking people, weren't they? Oh, I. Um, so you sit there and you start gambling at this bar with a drink and you think this is pretty funny uh, this is really cool actually that I can sit here and do this and then you realise there's an ashtray on the bar in front of you and you look around and you think, Hang on, what? surely that's not there if, 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 if I'm not supposed to use it and you, there's an ashtray in front of everyone I can smoke in here I can sit at the bar and smoke I'm and I get out a cigarette and start smoking and, and drinking my drink at this bar and gambling. And, and, f- and from my seat, this, right? This was brilliant. This, from... Don't ruin my story. I'm getting there. Because this is the next <laughs> I'll bit. I'll let you have that. Because as this is happening, suddenly loud dance music starts playing and hot girls from the casino take it in turns to get up and start dancing in little pants. And so suddenly you sat at this bar with your drink and your cigarette, and you're gambling, looking at a semi-naked woman jiggle around, thinking, really, does, is there anything else here? That I, I mean, without the, the, the only way this actually gets totally ticked every box is if I get Alison to perform some sort of act on me right here in the bar, which I, I think that would be frowned upon. But, you know, everything else that a, a grown man can desire is happening to me right now. And then someone else came up and said, would you like a massage at the bar? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just incredible. So you are locked in that candy store overnight, but it's the dirty version and it's real. And that's what it's about, really. The most alien part of that story to me was smoking inside. Uh, that's, that's a big thing. And I, I realize, again, this is very much just Las Vegas. And it's just your views but, as a smoker. It's yeah. very, very if, the opposite for non-smokers. If you're not a smoker, that might be horrible for you. Although I will it say that the, the ventilation in these places is second to none. And it's not like... I, I honestly think, in <laughs> g- given the, this, the way these things are built, I could almost sit at the bar smoking next to you and it would not bother you. Because there's no cloud of smoke around me. As soon as any smoke is emitted, it's sucked off into... The <laughs> Sorry, made myself giggle. It's, I didn't realize how great it was to have always clean air in whatever restaurant or building or bar you went into. Until about two years ago now, Lisa and I took a short trip, just a weekend trip down to uh, uh, Cincinnati, southern Ohio. Uh-huh. And we actually stayed in a hotel right inside the Kentucky border. And in Ohio, smoking is verboten inside. Mm-hmm. Jump across to Kentucky, and all of a sudden, as soon as you go in the restaurants, the servers are asking you, do you want smoking or non-smoking? You see, that's I, just wrong. You see, at least Vegas have got that. You can't smoke in a restaurant. But you you really can't go to a non-smoking bar. It's as simple as that. Yeah. So uh, So after the bars, 
Uh, I think, yeah, we didn't we get a, a ride to Walgreens because yeah, we got we to needed see some, some pro- more medication and we saw some prostitutes. We got to see a prostitute, which was nice. Out on the streets. Did they have their rate cards? No, they didn't because the rate cards are by the guys who uh, click cards at you. Are you aware of the phenomenon of the card clickers? I am. Yeah. Did you get accosted? Ah, oh. you don't. You can't walk. Did 10 you get feet accosted every accosted. ten feet? Is a more appropriate question. It really is that bad, and the fact that you're clearly there with your girlfriend or wife is irrelevant. They'll lean over your girlfriend or wife to give that, you the card. Th- that's the first thing that you try. You start you walking down the street. These guys, are, every ten feet, girls. Do you want girls here? Girls to your room. Girls in twenty minutes. Whatever. You can get a girl quicker than a fucking pizza in Las Vegas, and she's only thirty-five dollars. Yeah. And and you, she so doesn't so look you like think, this, right. but she probably looks a bit like this if you squint. And you're really drunk. And you've done a lot of coke. Yeah. And, and so you start thinking, well, I'll hold Alison's hand as we walk along. Maybe if I look like I'm here with my girlfriend, then I'm not going to... No, that makes no fucking Doesn't difference make, whatsoever. reached over me. And I was like, I put my hand out to take a card, and no, they don't like that. They don't like giving it to the ladies. No, they just want to give it to the guys. And they kind of follow you around, so they got you on an escalator, didn't they? Yeah. They got the, on the I'm coming down and an on escalator. <laughs> the guy leaves, leads over the handrail to try and get me while I'm coming down the stairs. I push him away. Then as I get off the stairs and walk past him, he tried me again. That's, a, oh, so it was, I nearly just grabbed him. And they click, they click their horrible. cards along with the mood, you know? When, when they first see you, it's all very polite, like, take a card, take a card, take a card, take a card. And then when you go past them, they're like, fuck you, take a card, take a card. Did you ever, for three days there, find a a way to kind of repress them, to just push them out of your consciousness, to ignore them successfully? Oh, yeah. Or did you feel guilty at all walking past them? I I felt bad that that's what they had to do for a living, and we're probably getting below minimum wage and more than likely illegal. That's what upset me about it. I was going to say, the best way to make these people avoid you is to wear some sort of clothing that would indicate you're working for the immigration department. Yeah. Then I think you might clear the streets. Yeah. But other but that, than that, that's what made, that's what that's the worst part of it that they are, they have to exist and they do exist. And they're just human billboards with t-shirts with mobile phone numbers on it. It's it's sad. It's annoying. But at least they wear fluorescent so you can see them. You know. See, I don't really know what else to ask about Vegas because it's so far outside of my realm of experience. There's not much else to say, really. It's just big and ridiculous and not like anywhere. My advice to you, if you're in a rush, get a cab. Don't even think about walking. It's not there. It's there times five. (laughs) It's massive. I think I would be very uncomfortable in Vegas. I, I grew up in... A pretty austere part of the the country, very reserved, non-display of emotion, and stay away from the light, fresh, uh, flashing lights. And you know, gambling is kind of like, eh, I, I've never understood that. So I, I don't know. I, I don't think that Vegas really holds any appeal for me. I didn't before I went. I really didn't because I don't like um, our equivalent here is ridiculous. Is it's a, a folly to compare the two places. But it really is the nearest thing we've got. We have a seaside resort called Blackpool. And it has a tower pretty much like the Paris one, but 
it's rusty and it's got um, an amusement park and um, gambling halls, but nothing like Vegas. There's no tables. It, it can't really be it's, compared it's, at all. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's folly. It's ridiculous to compare the two places. And I hate Blackpool. And um, But I really do like theme parks. Now, and what is it specifically about Blackpool that you hate? Oh, I, you can't imagine this There's place. There's so many things. It, it's just so horrible. It's, it, it's, it's grim. It, it's, it's a really poor comparison i mean it, it's full of um full of people uh, on low incomes trying to have a good time on little money which usually involves alcohol um tacky souvenirs really bad seafront food um just just a nightmare and and the the arcades because they're arcades and not casinos they're just flashy horrible noisy places and now, you are aware that you're planning to visit Cleveland this summer, right? Well, we, we kind of, we have to put everything on a back burner just because of uh, family financial situation yeah. isn't what we thought it would be six months ago. So right. um, that, that's for savers. I, I, I think that you're, you would hate it in Cleveland. Right. Well, we, we'll just, let's pull you out of there then. <laughs> really? Let's we do had a mercy some mission and get you to come to somewhere far more interesting. We, we had some interesting <laughs> Californian experiences. Yeah. Now, after your two and a half days, three nights in uh, Vegas, you flew into uh, where? Where did you fly into exactly? Which Oakland. airport? Into Oakland. And, straight out of Compton. Yeah. <laughs> o- Oakland's a nice looking Shit. place. Now you see, we've never been in downtown Oakland, and and I don't wanna. Do the planes ever get stolen from the airport? I don't think so, no. It it's like that people, level of place. People just die. Like, I'm uh, surprised that the planes are shot in the streets in Auckland. So, um, and, you know, our friend works in East Oakland, and it's, it's rough. You know, I, I'm going to tell a little story because I'm, I'm sort of removed and, and no one will ever know who anybody is, but I have to tell this story. Um, our, our friend is a nurse, and... Uh, he was uh, working in critical care, and uh, a major, major gangland pimp was in there with horrific injuries to his veins and groin and what have you, and had all kinds of issues. And he'd been shot before and got complications from old injuries. But this little shit was running girls out of the room next door at the hospital, and, uh, and that had to be dealt with. And uh, the the guy uh, kind of asked our friend if he wanted to have a bit of a cut rather than make a big deal out of this, you know. And he just take a cut. So that's the kind of shit that goes down in Auckland. Uh, we fortunately just land there and then get straight in the cab and get the shit out of Dodge and go somewhere, but, frankly, far more middle class. <laughs> but how far did you have to drive to get to the middle class part? Um, well, just uh, across the bay there, maybe about. 15 miles to get across 15 miles across the bay is what an hour oh no it wasn't that far was it it was it was a disturbingly short drive from the airport to our hotel it wasn't far given the the area that the the airport is in i wanted to drive a long way away from it before we stopped (laughs) and said right we're staying here it's okay there's a bit of uh sea in the way it's yeah we got over it without noticing so the traffic wasn't terrible no not at all oh 
not out the back there, no. That's one thing that I remember from my trip to San Fran was just long, long, long lines, terrible wait times, traffic lights that lasted forever. If you're driving through the city, I guess that's absolutely still bang on, yeah. But out in the out in East Bay, it's not really like that. Of course, it's 25 miles an hour everywhere. Right. It's really, really slow getting anywhere, but traffic's moving. It's not nose to tail. Did you see Jack Burton? Did we see Jack Burton? No, we didn't, sadly. Oh, Chinatown at all? Well, we kind of did. We walked a lot that first day that we were in town, and we did walk through Chinatown, but more down the backside of it. The most jarring thing from going to, from Las Vegas to San Francisco was the lack of amenities within 30 seconds walk. (laughs) Yeah. Because in in Vegas, if you want to gamble, there's something you can gamble with or on within walking distance of 30 seconds. If you want the toilet, there's one within 30 seconds. If you want to eat something, you can do that too. Everything you could possibly desire, there is one of those things within 30 seconds of any spot in that city. Whereas San Francisco is just a normal city. So there isn't just a restroom right there, which is was confusing for a day or two, yeah. to be perfectly honest. I'll just go to the toilet. Oh, there isn't one. We're, we're in the middle of a city. Uh, all that kind of thing. That proved awkward on occasion. <laughs> um, so what were you there to see? What was the big draw of San Francisco? How did that make the, the, the trip itinerary? Primarily, we were there because our friends are there. In yeah. Alameda. So, you know, they we moved come to out, see them. They moved out in December 2006. Um, and, um, yeah, it, it was about changing location, but not Korea. Um, and these Bay is quite attractive for nurses. It, in a nutshell, you pay nurses a shit ton more than we pay nurses. Hells, yeah. And he's P- a nurse. Particularly so. in the East Bay. Yeah. You don't even get paid this much in the city, but in, in the East Bay... The, the premiums for nurses are, are outrageous. So that's why our friends decided to go there and pursue a great life. And they've got it. They really have. Um, and we went out there to meet um, Phoebe's baby, Ava, who was born uh, in October. Yeah. But in terms of touristy things that you can all do, because uh, Dawn and Adrian don't know you all, mm. and it would be inappropriate if you went to see... Uh, their granddaughter but um we we went there were a few things we got the chance to do that were rather spectacular and i mean like meeting pendulette these were the things that we did on the holiday that you do them for the first time or or maybe the only time you're ever going to do them and we can't ever repeat that so this that that was my argument for this being best holiday ever we really went for it didn't we yeah so we went to google that was pretty cool we got pictures with the android lawn statues that they have there. We went to Infinite Loop, the Apple campus, and bought the, the Apple clothes from the only store in the world that you can do that in, which was very cool, or not very cool, depending on how you want to look at it. Uh, we got to go to the Twit Brick House and watch Leo Laporte tape an episode of Twit and talk to the dude afterwards, which was very cool. I'm told we were also on the live video stream for a little while. Yeah. And so we got him to look at the website, and he got to talk about that live on the air, which was awesome. It was very cool. 
So what was the Google campus like? Do you know, it's it's quite amazing. It they, look- it, they really have a full ecosystem. Yeah. It, it looks very much like any kind of other industrial park at first glance. There, there, there are just office buildings and roads going around those office buildings and car parks and there's a, a, a park nearby. It looks like most places. And uh, then you start to realize that not is all quite right there. Um, that you start to see. Are you still there? Sorry. Hello. 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 Yeah. I thought. We Did we drop you. out? I, I think we might have done for a bit. What was the last thing you heard me say? Oh, I've heard you talking the whole time. All right, I'll carry on then. Um, so yeah, you start to realize that not is all quite right because some people are on bicycles and all their bicycles are the same, and they're all painted in the Google colors which is quite funky. And then you realize the street you're driving on is called Google because you drive past the street sign. Then you pull up at the lights and realize that the guy in the driver's seat of the Lexus minivan next to you is on his laptop and not really paying any attention to where the car is going. And it just drives off when the light goes green and you see the word self-driving car and the Google logo on the side of it. And what else? The five-person bicycles. seven. Seven-person seven bicycles. Yeah, so you can go everywhere together and have a meeting on your en route. Now, the Google car was something that I was familiar with from some news articles, so that didn't surprise me at all. Yeah, we but the photo saw... that you posted of that seven-person bicycle mm. blew my mind. Yeah, they're crazy. <laughs> they apparently I spent use... probably 15 minutes sitting there looking at that photo, trying to figure out how it worked. Well, they all pedal, and their energy gets transported to that big unit that's at the feet of one guy, which drives the whole thing forward. It's mad. But there they are, all seven of them on, on one crazy bike. It's just quite bizarre. I hear they use them at Skywalker Ranch, which we drove past They can well. fair shift, you know, when you've got seven people all using pedal power. It, it's, they're, they're fast. They have to slow down properly for corners. It's quite fun. But yeah, it's about the spirit of collaboration. The whole place is like that. It's not just a tandem bicycle, though. We're not talking about, if you haven't seen the photo, it's not seven people in a row. It's seven people sitting in a circle. It's crazy. Yeah, they're having a meeting. They're going somewhere and also having a meeting. It's an opportunity not to be wasted. And, And we saw that quite a lot in Merca. Opportunities are not wasted. You know, as I was washing my hands in the bathrooms at MGM, um, I was being advertised to in a tiny little LCD above the, the tap showing me where I could eat dinner that night. Did it influence you? No, not at all. We had reservations at Bouchon. That's the problem that we have. Is it's, it's an advertising arms war. It's an ever-escalating attempt to grab your attention, and everybody's learning how to tune it out. People tune out TV advertising. People tune out all the advertising on gas station pumps now. People are tuning out newspaper advertising to the point where newspapers are almost dead. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's quite bizarre being fed that much. And on, on night one in Vegas, I really, I, I became sickened by media quite literally. We were walking across one, one of the crosswalks and there's a huge 60 foot kind of screen. It's massive. And goes all the way around 
uh, I think it's Planet Hollywood. And the the image on the screen was white, and uh, and it nearly killed me. Just with visuals, I was nearly gone. It, it, so going to San Francisco was like you know letting your senses have a wee bit of a rest, letting the the sea air blow and get rid of all of that crazy nonsense that was Vegas, and and kind of get back to somewhere that's slightly normal, but it's San Francisco, so it's just not normal. <laughs> but, but in a nice way. Wonderful place. Have you had a chance to watch Portlandia at all? No, I see it on Netflix. Should I do it? You should. Because while San Francisco is not Portland, they're not exactly that separate. They're yeah. they're within driving distance of each other and they're very much in the same spirit as each other. Yeah. I've got an uncle who lives in Portland and uh when I actually lived out in Oregon for two years when I was a little kid too, but uh, that that aesthetic is so weird. It's like it's its own little country, and I, I really highly highly suggest you watch Portlandia because it plays on that the disconnect that some of the northern West Coast has from the rest of the country. Mm. Yeah, our friends go up there quite a lot, and it is one of the destinations that you go to: Seattle and Portland, very much of the same kind of mindset. Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, yeah, it's yeah. it's that it's that seven person bike mindset. The yeah. we'll do this different because we can. Yeah, we just we just like that. Yeah, I like that. I like that kind of spirit about the place. But also because it's Google. Well, That's true. That's true. Know. The yeah. engineering exists <clears throat> to yeah. make it happen. And I, I tell you what was also eye opening was if you want to take a look at where the serious brain power is coming from around the world. We were very much in an ethnic minority as we, we walked around that were. campus. Not not a lot of white Caucasians there. Not not many, if if any. No. Really. Surely that didn't bother you. Oh no, no not, not at all. In, not it was just very indicative, really. I'm, I'm and just saying were, that. Do you know what? I clearly, heard French being spoken as people were going around. There were a lot of French people yeah. there, and. Uh, uh, Indian engineers, I would think, and a uh, lot of Indian people, yeah. a lot of Asian-looking people. Yeah. Just yeah, not not just, not in the least bit of problem. I'm just saying it's just it's, a demographic as you're walking around. It's just you, you're quite, just very aware pointed. that that some of the cleverest people in the world are walking around you, and they absolutely do not look like me at all. And it's, they're clearly and working just, in teams as yeah. they're walking along, using their the native language to talk in the team, but knowing that they all. See that collaborate inside in quite a different language altogether. Is is just the ability to continue talking about whatever it is you're working on as you move from place to place. Because I'd take the outside walk as an opportunity to fuck around and get nothing done. And they clearly aren't doing that. No. It's an opportunity to yeah. have an idea, to have a conversation. Yeah. You get the feeling whenever you read any kind of serious journalism that interviews people inside or details the lives of the employees of Google or Mac or or any of those big technology innovation companies, you get the idea that those people, for them, the job is secondary. It, it's, it's almost an academic setting and huh. getting paid is just a perk. Compared to what's outside the window and where you are and the opportunity. No, no, they'd be, maybe they'd be doing that anyway. The fact that they're getting paid is irrelevant. Right. Yeah. It's that what they're doing is what they are obsessed with anyway. Mm. So the fact that they can go and do it at Google and Google will give them money that they can then use to live on is a 
perk. Yeah. As far as they're concerned. I would have liked the perk of being able to get into the shop. That yeah, would that would nice. have been good. Because Google have a shop, but you've got to be escorted by an employee. We should have just asked someone that was walking past. You there, get us in the shop. Yeah. I wonder how many bystanders do ask them in any given day. I don't know. I really don't know. I wouldn't have even known which door to go in. It's a big campus. And it is kind of oh, like a campus. Yeah, it's huge. It, it, it goes over streets and streets and streets. It's massive. But worth a look around. It, so which site had more gravitas, though? Was it the Google campus or oh, the, the Apple, Mac campus? The, the Apple campus was, was you were very aware you were on the Apple campus. Could you feel Steve Jobs' spirit watching over you? You'd feel everything. It was, You'd it was feel an immense amount of intelligence it, it walking through the doors place. every couple of minutes. Which would you say is more dynamic? Google is more fun. It's uh, there's something to surprise you around every corner, whereas Apple Campus is uh, serious. It, it's um, a, a beautiful building with a big glass canopy entrance, and and there's a shop, which might as well be an altar, really, because that's you you can only uh, stand in front of the line that says one infinite loop visitors entrance, yeah, and and, and you stand there and you get your photograph taken at that sign, and then you go in the shop. And you pray at the altar, and that's it. That's your Apple experience. You can't do anything else. Whereas Google, there's something cool around every street corner, and and you can take a photograph. You get a little bit of something around every corner, and there's that doesn't exist at Apple. That is such a meta way to describe the difference between the two products. It really is a wonderful way of looking at it. I mean, both are, are good on, and have their merits. But they are two very different attitudes towards things. But we prayed at the altar. Yeah. We both did. We You've both, we both spent a significant store. amount of our holiday spends in that fucking shop. Because the, the point being is that it's the only Apple store in the world that sells Apple merchandise. Not laptops and iPads and stuff. Well, those Although as well. you can get those. I'm talking about cups and T-shirts and hats and mouse mats and all this kind of stuff. Lunchboxes, they were cool. The lunchboxes were, were cool. Nice. And so you, it's more like a clothing shop than anything it's else. awesome. Is what the computers are, are off at the back somewhere. That's not, you've not gone there to buy an iMac. You've already got you've, one. That's yeah. why you're there. Um, <laughs> and so you just go in and you're greeted by this array of T-shirts and you want all of them. And they're all just incredibly high-quality, nice T-shirts. Not like the shit you'd get from Simply Syndicated or something. Um, <laughs> I, I joke our T-shirts were always quite nice quality. Really good quality. Um, but it, it's all that sort of thing. So you get a pack of pens that all have the Apple logo on. And, a, a, yeah, all kinds of stuff. The jacket I got is wonderful. Is the jacket the only thing you bought? No, I got a long sleeve top as well. And a, Did I just get those two things? No, I you got a hat. hat. And, a, and a pen. Allison, did you have to drag him out of there before the wallet was emptied? I did no, leave I a little quicker than I would have liked, but I was <sighs> aware that it was I wasn't doing anything. I just wanted to still be there. It was bad, you see. It was bad, because I was just as bad. Oh, no. I, I had a hat and a mouse mat and a couple of pens. It was, yeah, and, and a t-shirt. I got the t-shirts. Oh, shit, and you're no. like, oh, and I want an Apple coffee mug I and really the thermal like mug and the drinks flask. And but yeah, that you have to leave before you've given them every everything. 
So did did you have to force yourself out? Yeah. Kind of. We it, were with we were oh. with friends who were just clearly tolerating us at this point as well, and <laughs> I really thank them so much from the absolute bottom of my heart that they took us to Petaluma and and had to wander around a really quite dull town while we did the the this week in tech and and for putting up with us while they drove us just from one campus to another as we just geek gasmed everywhere. I, I absolutely applaud them, and I really can't thank them enough. It was just incredible. Yeah, they did it ever so well. Beyond the call of duty. Yeah. Really. You know, word on the street from my peeps, my homies down in the hood, is that, uh, Rich, you've gone to the dark side with the Apple products. Oh, do you mean the phone? Yeah, I yeah, do. I, I got the phone. How much did your trip influence your decision to uh, to betray the light side of the force a great deal oh no it, it, tell me about what went into it what did you see on your trip that uh, that forced you to to forsake your vows well, it, to android it worked in a couple of ways against the android um because there there was the the part of it that finished off my love of the phone that i already had as an you know android aside just the individual handset itself all, all the problems with it came to light and were exaggerated a lot on the trip. So, for for example, you know, we couldn't get data on our phones. We had to use Wi-Fi wherever we could. And and so we'd, you'd, every time you stop somewhere for more than two minutes, you're looking for a Wi-Fi signal. And there were plenty of times when Alison just found it and got on with her phone, and my phone can't find anything. Uh, and And so stuff like that, how it crashed, how it kept, just being very slow uh, and all that sort of thing. So the trip in that sense finished me off with the the handset I already had. So it made the decision that there was going to be a new handset when we got home. Then on top of that, I have never seen so many iPhones in my life. My God, no wonder the American journalists are talking like it's the only phone anyone's got. It pretty much seems that it is that way. It seems it. Um, I, you know, it, it was, it wasn't till sort of part way through our trip in San, in San, in San Francisco that I saw someone with an Android device in Las Vegas. I saw more people taking pictures with iPads than I did with Android phones. Um, which is crazy by the way, people don't use the 10 inch iPad as your main camera. Just, I know it's got a camera, but you, you're doing it wrong. Get get a little get, camera. Get a little camera. Um, do do your photograph album a bit of a favor. And th- there were actually a couple of occasions where you know when you when a plane lands and everybody's waiting for the door to open, and there's kind of the bit where everyone stood up and squashed into the aisle, but no one's going anywhere. <laughs> right. And some people haven't got up at all. There the impasse. Co- yeah, that bit. And it doesn't matter because no one's going anywhere until they open the door. So you sort of stand there and you lean over on the seat just looking, waiting. I don't, you know. I just stay seated. That's People the best thing to do. People think it's crazy. But here's the thing. While you're sitting down and you get your phone out and you start going through all your messages because you've landed, the person who stood up behind you is actually watching you do all this because they've got nothing better to do because no one's going anywhere. So there were a couple of occasions where I'd get up and, and watch people use their phones. 
And just seeing them use the iPhone and how well it worked and all the things it did, I just thought, I, you know what, maybe it's time for a change. Maybe that's it. So in that sense, that I got to see them being used a lot more. Maybe it's like that here and I just don't get out enough. But, um, <laughs> just intros, maybe, yeah. Um... So, yeah, it, it did influence me. But you're really happy. I'm so that's happy. Okay. I'm so happy. So happy. I'm gushing about it. I know. I, yeah. I'm really glad for you. I really am. So, but that was it. Saves me a little shit, you know what I'm saying? It what? Saves me a lot of shit, if you like it. Yeah. You know, I have to go through less because you like it, you know. I'm I'm happy. Okay, so I want a numerical grade. I, we we need to balance this out. We we got to find Las Vegas versus San Francisco. Which was better? Oh, what? Let's yeah. get a scale one to ten. Las Vegas. How did it rate? Um, I expected a four out of ten. I expected to be angry while I was there, and I, and I just wasn't. Aside from the first night when I felt really really ill, those those next two days were proper perfect. We had such good times. We went to the Bodies exhibition, which was amazing. We saw incredible things that I just ended up accepting as just sheer craziness and folly. And I'm cool with that because we British have got a real strong tradition of building folly. And and, and I just saw it as that, basically. That man built that because he could, and he put it there. And, yes, it's an exact replica millimetre perfect of the Trevi Fountain and it's in the shopping centre, it's fine, you know, it's just fine. It's there and it's cool. And and for that, for blowing my mind, for making me want to stay and go back immediately and do things and see more things and just have my mind and senses blown. Vegas gets a ten out of ten. It a really ten out does. of ten. Honestly, it's not I my didn't favorite. expect that. It's not my favourite place in the world. But I can understand why people say it is their favourite place in the world. I can get that. It's not up there for me, but it, it's an amazing place and everybody must go there once after they're 21. Don't is go her before. rating off, Rich? My rating for Vegas is nine. And I'm knocking it a point off for one reason alone. And that is that I think it would be a 10 if you're maybe about 25, 26 years old, really rich one way or another. Mm. Maybe, maybe you sold a tech company, maybe it's daddy's money, but you've got more money than you care about. And you're either single or a person that doesn't mind cheating on your significant other. I think if you're that person, then Vegas is probably a 10. But if you're not that person, then you're not quite able to use it to its full potential which is weird that it's geared up that way huh. you know because there was still a lot of come and see this strip show or come and, and oh, right, yeah. I, i'm not i'm not here for that but i get how that it's, is fun for uh, a lot of people yeah. um and and so i think those people for those people it's 10 for those people that were in the chandelier bar in the cosmopolitan that night yeah for them it's a it's a 10 because they can do all of it i will never be able to do all of it yeah or maybe i will fingers crossed who knows but or not i mean i just want to be rich that was all i was saying <laughs> um, uh-huh. 
<laughs> and so, because there is that element of you, you know, there there are certain bits of Vegas that we've not said that you you have never been so aware of how rich you aren't. Yeah. You know, and there's Chanel shop in most hotel. You know, the big hotels. There's one in Caesar's Palace, one in the Venetian, one in the Wynn. You know, which is one scattered around near the Cosmopolitan. There's there's Louis Vuitton shops everywhere. They're like Greg shops here. I mean, I I you know British people are gonna know what that means. Um, but yeah, just shops everywhere. Cause I think how can how can one place even support like two Chanel stores? Never Were mind, you afraid like to eight. wander into those spaces? You can't go in there. There's no one else in there either. There's just one really stuck-up-looking shop assistant glaring at you if you walk near the door. Not you. This isn't this in in not for Oscar you. de la Renta in uh, the win in in one particular parade, which was ridiculous money. There, there was a guy in Oscar de la Renta who was like uh, he was like Alfred from the Batman films. <laughs> That that's your shopkeeper. There's only one, and you're only getting in there once at a time, and you're really only going to get in there maybe if he thinks you've won a lot of money. And then there's there's a mobile phone store, Virtue. Yeah, you know the it's, guys that make the awful Symbian phones, but they're made of leather and diamonds, so they're a hundred thousand right. dollars each. There's a uh, shop of theirs there um, that you can go and not buy a phone from. Yeah, there's like eight. Eight phones in the window, that's all there is there, but they're all like $150,000, quarter of a million dollars. So Just got to sell one. You know, I, I know that the, the, the number, finding someone who's truly happy with the amount of money that they, they make it is a difficult thing to do. No one's really happy with that. I bet that, Steve Wynn's quite happy it, well, with he, his he'll wage. He'll be laughing his cock off He's w- everywhere, when he man. He's everywhere. But, you know, you, you deal with the fact that you've, perhaps not got as much money as you like and as you would like in life because you get by and no one is saying to you every half an hour why don't you buy your wife a gucci handbag and yet in vegas they are saying that to you and so you you can if you're not careful be a bit downtrodden by the, the fact that you're not as rich as you'd like to be in in the wind they have a 24-hour ferrari dealership have you ever needed to buy a Ferrari at 4 a.m.? I would like to think that someday I could have that terrible, yeah. terrible problem. Because you can there. You, that that, that you in know, itself is if ridiculous, you're away, isn't and it? you come out of the high roller room and you've won seven million, think, what fuck better it, I'll to buy spend your money on? <laughs> it's right there. You can take it home tomorrow. So San Francisco, or I'm sorry, so uh, Las Vegas draws a cumulative <laughs> 9.5 rating. Yeah. Yeah. And this is going to be terrible, and it's going to be tough because you've got to do the old proverbial apples and oranges thing. But yeah. let's see what rating San Francisco gets. Well, it gets a ten. I'm. I'm also going to have to give San Francisco a ten. It's very difficult to fault the place. <laughs> there's, there's just nothing wrong with it at all. There's we so that, many cool it, it things. Literally to do. has a massive fault. It does, um, yeah. San so Andreas. Th- there is that. But, yeah. But, now, did you feel any trembles while you were there? We 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 did because we went down to San Jose and we went. <laughs> we didn't. We went on an earthquake simulator <laughs> in the ha- San Jose Technology Museum, which so, was fucking cool. By the way, it's one of the most 
brilliant interactive museums I've ever been to, really. It, it was all right. No, I, it was I really good. I wouldn't make the trip to go there again. Well, look, if you're, in San, so, if you're in San Jose or around San Jose, go to the Tech Museum. It's a good few hours. It's good. Like, I was in the Ulster Museum the other day, right, in, in Belfast, and it's a lovely place. There is barely any interaction, and that's quite a challenging museum. it's a serious museum. It is, but... When you mess with things, it sticks with you. What are you going to mess with in the Belfast Museum? Well, Here's well, how you put a Semtex bomb together. <laughs> no. What are you going to do that's interactive? Come on. Well, you know, anything. Was that a bad but comment, it, by the way? Shall was, I edit that out later? No. It's okay. That, you I didn't s- mention any groups in connection with that statement. I have no loyalty to either side. <laughs> right. I'm stop, just commenting on, on, on the, the bombing. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> move on from all of this. So yeah, San Francisco is a ten because it's it's a Alcatraz gives it place. five straight away. Oh yeah, it has Alcatraz as well, and it has Alcatraz at uh, Golden Hour and and night time, which you should do in your life. I I would say do not visit San Francisco without going to Alcatraz. That would be a crime for which you if, should if be you put in Alcatraz. Go there all the time or. If you live there and you've never been to Alcatraz, get your fucking finger out and get on If the, you live there, honestly. go to Alcatraz at least once a month. Jesus. It's so I'd good. I'd be terrified to go to Alcatraz, though, because I've seen The Rock. I saw what happened to those tourists. No, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> well, you get a really nice tour guide. Ed Harris isn't allowed out there anymore. Yeah, he's not there. We had Joe this time. Was it Joe or Jim? Is it Jim? Wasn't it Jim Bob? I'm feeling Jim. Now, Jim, and, and like all the park rangers there, are phenomenal at their job and uh, are truly blown away by the wonder of the guys who escaped and their pluck and courage and all the rest of it and for the incredible work that their uh, predecessors in the prison service uh, had in those days. And, and really, that passion for the place really comes across. And the best part about it is you do Alcatraz in a group on your own and it's wonderful. You you put headphones on and you listen to guys who were in prison there and the wardens telling you about life as it's been narrated. And it sounds like prison. It's wonderful. It's just the best experience. And um, And seeing the bright lights of San Francisco, you really understand why people thought they could make it across the water. How long did the walkthrough of the island take? Um, I think it takes a, a couple of hours. A couple hours? Yeah, we, we set off about 20 past four. We were back for about three hours later. Did so. they still do the lockdown thing, or is that only a, a fictional conceit? Um, it's a fictional conceit, unless they do do it at certain points as a special thing, but no. I, I have never seen any... A fictionalized version of the Alcatraz tour that is anything like what it actually is. So, you know, because they go on the Alcatraz tour on So I Married an Axe Murderer. Oh, and it, it's not like that. <laughs> they do, don't they? Yeah. Oh, I've got to watch that movie again. With Phil Hartman as the tour guide. And he's brilliant, but you don't get a tour guide all the way around. Maybe you did when they made that film, but we've never had that. You get an audio tour, Alison said about it, yeah. Yeah, it's just really atmospheric and you get a chance to like stand inside some of the cells, especially in, in the, the hole 
which is really quite grim, especially at night because it's pitch black. You can just see the moon coming through the grills on the window. It's really not hard to simulate. If you just close your eyes, you're there. Yeah. Really? It's pitch black. It's just a room with no windows. So and it's, and, it's and there is a, there's a cage inside it so wardens can come in, but they don't come in. They just they have a little walkway. So you have no human contact whatsoever for however long you put in there, up to 19 days. And, and if you're really clever on the tour, I, I really like to be the last one through. Let everybody else go. Just press pause and take a few shots while you're static and then start the tour when everybody else is about 40 metres in front of you. And then you get clear shots like you're alone in there. It's wonderful. Rich, what are you drinking over there? Pepsi. You mentioned before we started recording the show that you had real Pepsi. Oh, dude. We had... We, we, we got... Uh, as as we, we've talked about a lot on this show, about American and UK supermarkets. So we got free reign over the local Safeway, which was enormous, and their soft drink aisle. And we got to drink real Pepsi in cans. It was real Pepsi made with real sugar. Yeah, it was called Throwback. Have you had Oh, the, the throwback ones, right, that don't have the artificial sugar anymore. Mm. It's real sugar cane. Yeah. Right. And Mexican Coke. Which in, is, in glass bottles. Yeah. 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 Amazing stuff. So we got to have all that. We didn't go on with the, the sweets as much as we have in the past because we know what they taste We've like. We've been now. there now. Yeah. In and out burger. Love In and Out oh Burger. Oh, God, Jason. I'd be so fat if I lived over there. I've not been there. Oh, oh, Jesus. That is just the best fast food I've ever had. Let me ask you this, though. Did you purposefully decide to go there because of Pulp Fiction? No. We didn't know. I went because I know Paris Hilton goes to them, so. I didn't. I'd read it on TripAdvisor about the one in Vegas. People were talking about that one. And um, and then somebody posted on Facebook that they'd been there, and oh my god, it was delicious! And um, it became apparent that they were around that area, and they were quite big around San Francisco and the Bay Area and Marin and what have you. And um, and it just became a must. And in Vegas, it wasn't practical to go there, but it became practical as tourists in San Francisco when we went down to. Fisherman's Wharf for the first time, and um, and we found In and Out Burger, where they don't freeze anything, and they have a, a thirty mile policy, so everything is produced within thirty miles from the store, and you see them in the back cutting the French fries and making the patties. It's delicious. It's so fresh and good. Oh my god, I want to go back there immediately. Why can't we have them everywhere? These things need to be everywhere and overcome the shit. This was the trip, and it was my third time in America, but this was the first time that I've truly realized. You see, I don't know if you've heard this, but there's this joke the rest of us have where we kind of imply a lot that you guys might be a bit on the chubby side. Oh, no. I, I don't know if you've heard of We're that leaving before. that in Europe that is, now, so we've shot us gobs, really. That is racist. <laughs> but I, I've come to realize that were I to live in America for more than sort of six months, maybe, even You that would long, weigh what I weigh. I would weigh what three <laughs> of you weigh. 
I would be one of those guys that needs the little electronic cart to get around in. You'd have to put talcum powder down your pants every day, wouldn't you? I have to do that now. I'd have to put a lot more talcum powder and I'd have much bigger pants. Yeah. So, you know, I would be enormous as I drove my little cart in between In-N-Out Burger and the Ben and Jerry store and the... It's, it's really yeah. no one's fault. It's easy for us to say that we're not that fat when we've got the food that we've got. Of course we're not fat. We're lucky we're alive. <laughs> when you eat our food, in comparison, we've got nothing the, the that's nice. The thing about an American restaurant portion is that you should really only do that once a week. And the rest of the time, you should eat vegetables and salad just to compensate for that one meal. Yeah. You really can't eat like that every meal. We tried in Vegas. We were ill. I tried really hard, you, though. You were never hungry when we sat down to eat. You were, like, still digesting a meal that we'd had earlier. Because our meals just aren't that big. I think I ate steak four days in a row. I mean, come on, you know? <laughs> that doesn't happen. No. When you I have, failed, but, by the way. You failed? Totally failed. What, uh, Pulp Fiction was a big kahuna burger. It yeah. was a big kahuna burger, yeah. Damn it. Why didn't you stop me? Well, it's a big, tasty burger. Mm-mm. Oh, I had to look it up to make sure, and it sure as shit, I was wrong. I don't know whether in and out being in anything. It should be in everything. It Paris should be Hilton in everybody's mouth. It. it really should. And you should ask for animal style, because it will blow your freaking mind. Fast food shouldn't taste that good, but it does, and it, and, and it is. So just <sighs> just forget anywhere else. If you're in... If you're in California or Nevada, get yourself to In-N-Out, seriously. Just even that, do you know what I can still taste as well? That thing I ate in the bar on the last night in Alameda. What oh was that? Oh my God, that was awesome. You had a Stromboli from Scolari's. On the oh, park. Stromboli, yes. Do you know what, if I lived where Don and Adrian lived, I wouldn't cook a fucking meal. No, I wouldn't. I'd eat one of those every day. And the thing about that, Jason, was right, you go... You go into Scolari's and, and you order your Stromboli or whatever else that's amazing and cooked right there. And, um, and then you go into the Lucky 13 next door, you get yourself a drink, and, uh, and then about 10 minutes later your food arrives and you sit and eat it in the bar next door. I mean, that's just awesome. But really. it's California, so you don't smoke in the bar. No. No. You but you're off. eating, so that's not a problem. <laughs> it was awesome food, that, if you're in Alameda Park. I'd just be enormous. Scolari. be enormous. Beautiful. I wouldn't need a fridge, though. That would, you know. Yeah. Because what might You I would. You'd keep your soda yeah. cold. That's what might, yeah. God, I'd be. And I'd just smoke and I'd eat. I'd like, be, you know, the, the breakfast, I would, right? If we moved to America now, yeah. I wouldn't see 40. No, I wouldn't see 40, and that's coming quite soon. It is, isn't it? You're yeah. nearly 40. That's right. Ooh. Yeah. Rich. Yeah. You weren't supposed to bring that up. No, I did. It's okay. It's okay. Mm-hmm. I'm comfortable mm-hmm. with it. It's the new it, 20. It was Rich's job not to reinforce it. Oh, okay. It's cool. Yeah. No, it's fine. We're having he, a party. He broke the protocol. No, okay. <laughs> Nothing. It's You can have some right fun teasing Alison about how old she is. Yeah. 
You see, the thing is, now I'm beginning to agree with you. My the, body the doesn't work. The good thing is, it's if fine. she wants to chase you away, it takes her ages to get off. I can't even get off the floor, so, and I'm going to make a lot of noises on the way off as well. Because if she gets you, she'll <laughs> cut you. I'll but, cut you. You know. I can't get anywhere near you. Don't fear me. <laughs> really. I need a stick. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> no, um, walking on holiday was great fun. <laughs> Walked everywhere. Except we up Lombard Street. Oh, yeah, we didn't do it. Well, Learned yeah. that one. Yeah, we did walk up Russian Hill, though. It did hurt. I will never see Lombard Street again Lombard unless Street, we happen to walk along near the Lombard Street. Unless we walk along the bottom, I will never see that street again in real life because I've seen it and there is no fucking reason to walk back up that hill again. <laughs> no, there isn't. There's nothing at the top of it except the view of the bottom of the it. wiggly worm thing. And I'm already at the bottom of it, so I'm not going up it again. Yeah, you don't need to do that. There is just no need ever. But we did go up Kytus Tower. I'm sorry, I shouldn't call it that, really. Yeah, they have a giant penis tower. There's pictures of the giant penis tower in the San Francisco album there. Um... It was built by, uh, well, it was paid for um, by uh, a woman who was uh, very thankful to the firemen of San Francisco, particularly after the fire of 1906. And uh, she built this giant uh, tribute to their hose on uh, on Russian <laughs> Hill. And, um, and it's quite beautiful. It's, um, it gives you the best view of the, of the town. Not the highest, but the best. Um, and you get a good 360 view of everything that San Francisco has got to offer. And at night, it lights up red. It's really quite... It's a giant penis. It's a giant dick. It is it a really giant is. penis. You know, she just wanted to ride Look, them. The, the other night, I was showing Mike the photos, and I told him the story of Coit Tower before I showed him Coit Tower. Yeah. And he looked at me and went, it's a giant penis tower, isn't it? Yeah. And I showed him, yeah, it is. It's, it, a, giant it's a giant penis tower. It's a giant penis tower. You, There's a certain you, poetry to the way that you describe it, a, a rhythm. A, it, it sounds so elegant. Yeah. You just know it's, it's, beautiful, it's this weird honestly, story. And it's full of beautiful murals inside. I, I've just not seen anyone hear that story and not raise an eyebrow as they think. So for a period of about 40 years, there wasn't a firefighter in San Francisco that hadn't shagged this woman, yeah, is there? Yeah, I reckon. Lily Coit, she was called Lily Coitus. She went with them. On all their call-outs. Why, why would that happen? Where in the world has that ever happened on any other occasion? That there's just some mad woman that goes with the fireman on every call-out. She doesn't help. She's not a fireman herself. She's just gone to lend moral support. <laughs> yeah, so what? she's built this 200-foot-tall She's obviously shagging penis. all the firemen. Or wanting to. I think it's a yearning. <laughs> Once she's been doing so it for tall. about 20 years, you start thinking it maybe not. You know, you know, I think maybe she'd had one. It would probably only been 100 foot tall. Oh, she I was, think her yearning made it 200 She was tall. part of the hazing when you joined the fire service. <laughs> you reckon? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, she was a local hero, so hats off to Lily Kite, no matter what you did. Right. Well, I, th- I think that I think that statement right there marks the climax <laughs> of this podcast. <laughs> I, I would say so too. But, uh, I think that we could probably talk for hours and hours more about your trip to Merca. And uh, on behalf of Merca, let me tell you that you're welcome back anytime, oh, no matter you. what the TSA might, you know, have you think. Yeah, it's a CBD bastard. You got to keep your eyes out. Make sure you're jolly. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Arrive with a smile on your face, and then you're cool. <laughs> 
So this has been a special remastered. I hope you've enjoyed it. And I think next week we'll be back with some more Remote Patrol. We will. And I think we're going to be talking about Boston Legal. Boston we are Legal, indeed. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> so what should we plug here? We can plug Atomic Trivia War 9000. Oh, that's a good one. Still going strong, having lots of fun doing it. We can plug Take It or Leave It. Yeah, you do that on Sundays, don't you, live? Yeah, yeah. live at four on Sundays. Or Shaft, which we sometimes do live on Saturdays. We can plug the Twitter feed at Simpson, which is a good place to get live show warnings. Yeah. And that's warning. Well, what is a warning? Plug the, uh, the Google Plus page, because oh, we've got yeah. a community yeah. now. Yeah, that's going strong. Well done on that, Jason. It's nice. Do you know what? For all the bad-mouthing people have done of Google Plus, the groups have more members. I have more followers. There are more comments put on things when I post stuff. I love seeing comments pop up there right after we drop an episode. It's the yeah. second biggest social network in the world now, apparently. And growing. Well, yeah. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we, we have a thing. I don't know how you find it. If, if you don't know where it is, do we, is there like a page that we can put a link to? Or something like that? Oh, sure. We could, we could put it on the website pretty easily, or in the forum. Yeah, let's put it in the forum because that's. Oh, yeah, we have a. I don't know. It, Google, plus.google.com slash community slash long number question mark lots of other gibberish. Is it just up to the long number? I don't know how you link to the group. Google Plus is awful at this. Oh, yeah. We'll find a way one way or the other. It's plus the long number. God, it is. It must be 16 digits or more. That's, um, <laughs> yes. can't, there's no point in reading it out so yeah look on the website for a link to that uh, and also there's a new make it so movie special in the store uh, we finally got around to doing first contact after doing generations three times <laughs> and forgetting it there's also a new episode of make it so out on the make it so podcast feed but it turns out we'd already done that one as well oh my god oh really yeah this was basically, so we, we recorded, there are 120 episodes of Make It So. Only 119 were ever released, and I found episode 120 on a hard drive. So I put it out, and it's an episode commentary, which it turns out we did several episodes earlier. I listened to the episode commentary when you released it the other day, and I didn't even recall that you had done it before. Neither do we, and that's the problem. I don't think it is so, a problem. I think you should just go with it. It means that you've yeah. got legs. Well, just we rock do. it. So that's how you can get that as well right now. And I can confirm early. This is early news because we haven't got any uh, schedule recording dates yet, but uh, Hooked is going to be back. Awesome. Um, it's the right time to bring it back, and harm reduction needs to kick up the bomb in times of podcasts. So, um, yeah. We're going to get the show back on the road. But like I said, we haven't got any recording dates uh, as yet, but uh, we'll keep you posted when Hooked is back. Very, very good. So I think that that's it for this evening for Remastered, our special episode. Look forward to Remote Patrol next week, and we'll see everybody then. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks for having us. <laughs>